Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the Today's Focus podcast series. It is Tuesday, January the 31st, 2023, and it is currently 10.54 p.m. Central Time. Today's focus, well, it's maybe an ice storm warning. Not really, but here's the situation. I'm coming to you live this evening. I Typically, I should be doing the today's focus for the day in question, right? So I should be doing a today's focus tomorrow morning, early tomorrow afternoon, so that you would have something to focus on tomorrow. But Tomorrow is there, there's no guarantee what's going to happen tomorrow because currently here in West Texas, where I'm broadcasting from, we have been placed under an ice storm warning. Let me read it to you. Ice storm warning. It will expire on February the 2nd, 2023. So we're in an ice storm warning. It, it went into effect at 8.15 p.m. Central Time, and it will expire on February the 2nd. Here's what they're saying. Several rounds of wintry precipitation are expected through Wednesday night. The precipitation will be mainly in the form of freezing rain and sleet. The precipitation should be moderate, should be, could be moderate to heavy at times. Total ice accumulations of a quarter to one half of an inch are possible with localized higher amounts where portions of West Central Texas. When, and and, then it, goes all the way till February the 2nd, impacts accumulation of ice on roadways, bridges, and overpasses will cause hazardous travel conditions from today through Wednesday night. A few power outages and damage to trees will also be possible due to the ice accumulations. Additional details, this will be a prolonged event with temperatures below freezing and several rounds of freezing precipitation. uh, Travel conditions will remain very hazardous and will likely and will likely only get worse on Wednesday. So we have this chance of a wintry mix of precipitation, and I I don't know how it's all going to go down. Now, I know for some of you who live up north, you're like, wait, what? You're going to get possibly, where is it? Um, total ice accumulations of a quarter to one half of an inch. You're probably like, yeah, so what? Well, it's Texas. All right. And whenever we get this kind of precipitation, let me just tell you, I, I feel like I'm saying participation, no precipitation. All right. Whenever we get this, um, there are times where, th- I mean, well, whenever we get it here in West Texas, Everything shuts down. Schools have been canceled since they canceled or canceled on Monday. They were canceled today. All kinds of things have closed down. I mean, basically, everything has been shut down for two days, really just in anticipation of the wintry precipitation. All right. Literally, that's what's been happening. We did get, we have a little, like just a little ice on the road right now, and everything is already shut down. But when the ice comes in, one, everything shuts down. But we have a tendency. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, we ended up on national news because we got ice. We lost power for basically a week. No water because the water, the the water treatment center lost power and went down and even their backup, everything went down. So we had no water. We had no power. It was an absolute disaster. So I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I have no idea. I'm hoping, I'm hoping 
that we will have power and I'll be able to go live and do whatever I want to do. But I thought, well, since I have, I have power right now, I have power, I have internet, then let's go live and do a special episode of the Today's Focus podcast series. And here's the reason why. Because I can't get Colossians 3 off my mind. I'm still perplexed and confused by it. And obviously no one else was. This is one situation where I did a Today's Focus and I don't think I received one email about it, which is an an odd occurrence, right? Because typically I get emails usually 15 to 30 minutes after a broadcast ends. I But this time it was radio silence. And I was like, oh boy, what did I do wrong. But on the other hand, I'm not really bothered if I did anything wrong because I still think that the questions I asked are relevant and I still don't I still don't have good answers. So we're going to go back to Colossians 3, but we're going to look at th- we're we're going to look at at least two things. We may throw in a third because I did look at a sermon and they kind of, they, 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 of course, sermons needed three points. So I guess they decided to come up with three points. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of their third point because they take the phrase used in the first two points, move it over to the third point, but the text itself doesn't use that phrase for the third point. I will explain everything in just a minute. So are you ready? Let's go to Colossians chapter three. Let's go to Colossians chapter three. Right, Colossians chapter 3. Here we go. Colossians chapter 3. Let's start in verse 15. Please note the phrase, let. You see the phrase let or the word let? I should say, I was going to read the whole phrase, but let's just focus on the word. In Colossians 3.15 and let, verse 16, and, or in verse 16, just let. 15 and let, 16 let. Now I'm really focusing on that word let. You're let, you're, you're, and again, let me just give you the English definition of the word let, because this is just very important to me. And I, I, I really, I don't know. I don't know why it has stuck with me so much, but it really has. All right. To let, uh, to let, not prevent or forbid, allow. All right. So if you're letting something happen, you're not preventing it. You're not forbidding it and you are allowing it. So really this concept, I'm, I'm not forbidding something. I'm not preventing, preventing it from happening. I am allowing it to happen. All right. So I'm allowing it and I'm not preventing it and I'm not, not in any way forbidding it. But this has something I'm involved in the action. I'm involved in the action. I, there, there, I'm, I have something to do with this situation. Hey, I'm not going to prevent this. Hey, I'm not going to forbid it. I'm going to allow it. So because it seems to clearly imply that I have an action involved, I want to understand exactly how does this work in a practical way. And Everyone just seemed to ignore this and I and I and I've looked at articles and sermons and I'm like nobody nobody is catching on. Let, let me so let now let's take the word let and add the phrases. Verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. 
Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So here's the peace of God, right? Let the peace of God, here's the peace of God. Now I have to allow it to rule in my heart. I am not going to prevent it. I'm not going to forbid it from ruling in my heart. I'm not going to prevent it. I'm not going to forbid it. I'm going to allow it to rule in my heart. How does that work practically? How do I like, okay, peace of God, I'm going to allow you. I'm not going to prevent it. I'm not going to, I'm going to allow you to rule in my heart. What, what, what exactly does that mean? Now, according to one sermon that I was looking at, here we go. This is, this is important, right? Look at this, all right? Uh, let's look at verse 15 and see the first of these. How, see how far we get. The peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ, not God. Now they say, let the peace of Christ. So they're using a different translation. The King James says, let the peace of God. They're saying it's not God, but in the manuscript, it's peace of Christ rule in your heart. So we could get into why there's variation in the manuscripts and all of that. And how would it change anything drastically? We could get into that, but just watch this. The word, the word rule, they say, is umpire, is umpire. That's interesting. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire. You got a problem. You've got to make a decision. You're caught in the midst of something. Let the peace of Christ make that decision. So they're saying the way we let it is that we let it kind of be the, um, like in baseball, you have the umpire. The umpire makes the call. So we don't know what to do. We let the peace of Christ make that decision that that's how we let the peace rule, that we let the peace be the umpire. I don't, I, does that make sense to you? All right. Hey, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck in this situation. I'm going to let the peace rule. And the way the peace is going to rule is I'm going to let this peace make the decision. I'm going to let it be the umpire. I, I'm not a fan of this. I, 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 Let's look up the word rule. Let's look up the word rule. Because I'm just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's how this letting works here. But let's go to Colossians. Let's go to Colossians 3. Let's go to Colossians 3 here. Um, let's see here. Let And let the peace of God rule. Okay, I'm going to go to the interlinear. Now they say it means umpire. I don't know where is it. Maybe, maybe I, it just seems like a that that's what we're going to find in the uh, Greek interlinear. Um, let's see here. And the peace of God let rule, let rule. Here we go. Oh no, it it has umpire is here. Okay, here we go. Strong's G one thousand eighteen. Brabuo, 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 brabuo. Um, it means to govern, to govern. So it's the idea of, of governing, uh, to, um, to, to be an umpire. This is the outline of biblical usage to decide, determine, to direct, to control, to rule. So they're going more with the idea of the deciding and the determining, not the controlling or the ruling. They're going with the, the direct, it's only used one time. Brabuo is only used one time, and it's used right here in Colossians 3.15. Thayer's Greek lexicon, to be a, or umpire, 
to decide, to determine, to direct, to control, to rule. I am. How does this, I, I don't know. The, the ruling or the, to control the ruling makes more sense to me, right? I, I, I let the peace of God control or rule over me. I don't know how I can let the peace of God necessarily be the umpire or decide or determine Right? So I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. In fact, let me go back to that sermon, the way they worded it. Um, let the peace of Christ be the umpire. You got a problem. You've got to make a decision. You're caught in the midst of something. Let the peace of Christ make that decision. Now they say, what is the peace of Christ? Well, the Greek word for peace means an agreement or a pact or a treaty or a bond whereas the Hebrew concept of a peace means an attitude of peace or of rest or of security. And I think you have both aspects in the peace of Christ. When you come to Christ, you made an agreement with Christ, right? You signed a truce. Prior to this, Lord and I were at war, right? You were at one side, I was on the other side, and we're going at it. But I would like to come to your side. I'd like the war to be over. It's as if in his own blood on the cross, Jesus wrote a treaty. He wrote a covenant. He wrote a bond agreement. We are at peace. Well, I do understand that peace, that that hostilities have come to an end, right? There's now peace with God. I have the peace with God and I have the peace of God. Because I'm at peace with God, there's a peace. Now, I'm to let that rule. And, and, the, and the King James translators say, let it rule, where the sermon here seems to be, let it make, let it be the umpire, let it make the decisions, let, let it make the determination. Another translation I have here, it says this way, uh, let the peace of Christ to which you are also called in one body rule your hearts, that this peace should rule my heart. This, what I seem to think, this is my own personal feelings. I'm going to go in a different direction. That because I have the peace with God, then this should bring peace inside of me. I'm no longer over, I'm not at, I'm no longer questioning and doubting and, and worry or confused about my salvation because I have the peace with God. I, I, I'm at peace, right? My salvation is secure that even if I sin, I have an advocate with the Father. And if I confess my sins, my sins are, uh, you know, they're going to be forgiven, right? They're going to be taken care of. So I can have that peace. And I let that peace rule over all of those feelings of doubt, those feelings of guilt, those feelings of shame, those feelings of humiliation, those feelings of not measuring up. I let God's peace rule and say, no, 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 no. All of that was taken care of. In Christ Jesus, you have peace with God. You have the peace of God because there has been peace that's been given to you because of what Jesus Christ has done. I don't see it as an umpire making a decision. I, I see it as ruling over all of those things that would take away my peace, my sin, my failure, my shortcomings, my not living up to God's standard would take away that peace. But because I have peace with God, I have the peace of God, 
I let it now rule over all of those feelings of inadequacy, of failure, and of humility, of, of, of humiliation, I should say. That, that, I don't like the decision. Like, okay, I don't know what to do. All right, I'm going to let, I'm going to let the peace of God make that decision. Like, what does that, what does that do? And now it's just going to be some subjective, well, I have peace. I've heard Christians say this. I have peace about this decision. I'm like, you may have peace about this decision, but that decision clearly goes against scripture or you had peace about that decision. And five months later, you're greatly regretting that. So why did you have so much peace about something that went so horribly, 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 horribly wrong? And clearly you made the wrong decision. Well, I maybe I, I misunderstood the peace I was feeling. I, I mean, yeah. I'm not a I'm not a fan of that. I understand that the Greek word can carry that idea. But I think I, I understand it more from the ruling aspect that it overrides everything. It's the controlling. What controls me is that I have peace with God and I have the peace of God. And that peace is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, they still don't really say how, how I, they, they, according to this sermon, and I, again, I looked up all kinds of articles. How do I let this happen? And it's like, well, listen to praise music. Uh, listen to the audio. No, that's, and that's for the next one. Not many did much with the peace thing, but you know, it's always like some weird, like, no, th- th- this in this situation, I think, I think this one is easier to understand, right? that there is a there is a, a an objective peace that is gained in Christ and that peace is I'm no longer at enmity against God I'm no no longer at war with God because I'm now covered in the imputed the imputed righteousness of Christ I've now been adopted into the family I I'm a son of God I I'm, I'm a co-heir of Jesus Christ I'm in Christ Jesus I I, I am seen when God sees me he sees his son that is an objective reality that is irregardless to my to my actions or my feelings. This is all done by God. Now, I let that objective reality rule over all of my subjective feelings. Well, I don't know if I feel saved. I don't know this. I don't know that. I know what God did. I know what God did in Christ Jesus. So I let that be the dominant controlling thing in me. I think that makes sense. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Now, we, we, we could get to some other things there, but I, 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 that's what I'm going to go with. Some of you may want to go with, no, it helps me make the decision, but I, that's so subjective. Now you're, that's a feeling. The peace of God, peace with God, that's an objective reality because of Christ. I let that objective reality rule over my subjective feelings. Now, we talked about this this morning. Now we'll talk about it tonight. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now, how do we let the word of Christ dwell in you? Well, let's see what this sermon does here. All right. All right. Uh, 
This all is about making these decisions, making, having these feelings. And I just, I'm just not a fan of that concept. I'm just not a a fan of that concept. All right. All right. And now, so we'll go to uh, further in this sermon. Second, the word of Christ dwells in you richly. Fantastic concept. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now this has got so much in it. I can't even begin to get all, all, all of it out here. The word dwell in, uh, is to be at home. Let the word of Christ be at home in you. Home is comfortable, right? Home is where you like to be. Holiday inns are fine. Home is better. I saw one the other day. I was driving down Santa Monica Boulevard, a big hotel, holiday out. I thought that was pretty clever. Anyway, yeah, obviously you didn't think it was so hot. But anyway, holiday inns are fine and hotels are fine. You know that's nice and they do what they can. But home is home. Okay, I get that. All right. So in other words, we, uh, we, we want God's word to be at home inside us. We want it to abide there. We want it to dwell there. I can understand that. I'm still trying to figure out how we let this be. So um, if, see if, they, if give us any, they give us any help here. All right. Now, this is what they, this is, this is where they're going to go with this. All right. So the things I learn are, uh, the things I learn the best are the things I put into operation. They become patterns of life. So the word of Christ is to dwell in me abundantly. How's it going to do that? Well, first of all, I've got to read it. Then I've got to study it. Then I've got to live it. He says, I'll give you a quick little outline. Are you ready for this? It's coming fast. So get a pencil. Four things you have to do with the word. Heed it. Heed it, not heat. Heed, heed it. Handle it, hide it, hold it forth, and when you've all done, you'll have it richly. Heat it, handle it, hide it, hold it out. So this turns into a lot of things I have to do. I have to heat it, I have to handle it, I have to hide it, then I have to hold it out. And and what they are claiming is that's what it means to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So they, they, this sermon feels like to let the peace rule is I let the peace make the deciding, to be the umpire, make the deciding calls. I'm not a fan of that. I think let the peace rule in me is allowing it to rule over my subjective feelings because my subjective feelings may doubt salvation, question God, but but. I know that there's a peace with God because of an objective fact of what Christ did. So I'm going with that concept. Now they want to say the way I let it rule, the the way I let the, the word of God dwell or the word of Christ, let me read the text directly from the King James, let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. The way I let this happen is I have to heed it. I have to hide it. What was, let me go through the four things that they gave. They, they gave four things. I, want, I don't want to misread them. Heat it, handle it, hide it, and hold it. Heat it, handle it, hide it, and hold it. Okay, that... I, I don't know here. I do understand the hiding it. See, I... I feel, 
and you can tell me if you agree or disagree with this. Remember, remember the, the, today's focus, I've already gone 24 minutes, so I've already gone longer than I'm supposed to. These are only supposed to be 15 minutes long, but that's okay. It's a special episode because I have no idea what's happening tomorrow, but that's okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to talk this out. See if you agree with this. I just think it's interesting that both 15 and 16 uses the phrase let. 16 does, 17 doesn't, 15 and 16 does. 17 says, and whatsoever you do, do in word or deed. Now, the sermon that I'm reading from, it brings the let phrase over into verse 17 saying, this is what you need to let happen. But I, I, the text doesn't use it. So I think it's interesting that 15 and 16 both uses the phrase let. So I'm to let the peace of God rule and, I let, and I'm going to let the word of Christ dwell. Is there a correlation between the peace of God ruling and the word of Christ dwelling? Is there like a, is there a correlation there? In other words, I let the peace of God rule because I have all of these subjective feelings, right? And I let God's, this objective fact of God's peace rule over those subjective feelings. So when I let the word of Christ dwell richly, it seems that what I'm doing, it's more than just memorizing it. It's more than just knowing it, right? Because everyone, it seems like all the articles go with, you need to study it. You need to read it. You need to memorize it. You need to, and I, and I do agree that that's the way to bring it inside of me, right? To get the word of Christ inside of me, I have to read it. To get the word of Christ inside of me, I have to memorize it. I, I, I have to study it. So I do agree that that's an, of getting it inside of me. But I just, I think that you can have it in you, but it's not dwelling in you richly. I think you can have it in you, but it's not dwelling you richly. The word richly here, let's look at the word richly. Let's look up the word richly really quick. All right, let's go to Colossians 3. Let's see here, richly. Richly, um, abundantly. It just the Greek word means abundantly. So you're so Col- Colossians three is let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, abundantly. Let let the let the word of Christ dwell, take up residence, abode, and that it is there abundantly. I still think that it's the idea that I get God's word in me. Right. And I know, I understand there are steps to take it to get it in me. Right. I've got to read it. I've got to study it. I got to, I understand all of that. But I think you can have it there, but it's not dwelling richly. I tried to use the example this morning. Again, I didn't get any email, so I don't know if anyone appreciated it. It's again when some people rent out a, a property that you can go stay at for a week or two weeks. Right. There's different apps where you can go Airbnb or whatever they're, 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 they're the different, the different program, uh, platforms they have. Some you have the, the, the people who own the property are staying in part of the property and you get to stay in, in these rooms, but you can't go into these rooms. That seems awkward. Other platforms are like, no, no, no. The whole property is yours. The whole house is yours. Every room is yours. Right. And so, but in those situations, you, you have complete freedom. So you get to dwell in that property in a rich way. But, but even there, you're leaving, you're leaving. So you're still going to check out. I think that the, the idea here is that you move in and you stay and you have full access to every area of you, 
right? Or ever every area of the property, but you don't leave. So to let the word of Christ dwell is to take residence and richly it's to be able to have abundant access to everything. And everyone, I think, focuses on how to get it inside of you, but I think that you can have it inside of you, but it's not dwelling richly. It's just there, right? It, it may be it's in my mind. Maybe I have a, I have it a little bit memorized. Maybe I know some facts. Maybe I can win at Bible trivia. Maybe I can win a theological argument. But that's different than it abiding or dwelling in me richly. That's like it's abundantly rich throughout all of me. And I letting that means I have to let God's word, in a sense, have free reign to all of me. And that means I have to be very real and open with, I don't, I, I don't, I, I know that that's still not conveying maybe, I think some people still don't understand that or they still, I think everybody's like, no, you just read it, that then it's dwelling in you richly, but I just disagree. There's lots of people who read it. I don't think it's dwelling in them richly. There's a lot of people who memorize it. I don't think it's dwelling in them richly. There's a lot of people who can answer every theological question in the world. It's not dwelling in them richly. I think to dwell in richly is something goes beyond that. Uh, the, the, the Greek word for dwell here, if we go back to that, the Greek word is to, um, see, it's to inhabit, to dwell in, to dwell in one and influence him for good. So it's, it's a, it's a dwelling that begins to influence. It's a dwelling where there's, it's abundantly, it's, it has access to every room per se. And there's an influence. There's a lot of people who know God's word, but it's not, a, it's not dwelling richly, but it's there just enough to make them arrogant and prideful. There's some people who have God's word and it just makes them self-righteous, right? In other words, you, I, I put it this way. To dwell in you richly seems to have the idea of full access. And when we get some of God's word and only part of us, we either become arrogant, proud, puffed up, know-it-all, self-righteous, condemning, judgmental, like there's all that, that it almost leads to a negative when it's dwelling in us richly. It seems to say that it will have a more positive impact because it's taking care of, in other words, just to bring it in a little bit almost produces an opposite and a negative response when it's in us richly, it's more balanced out and accurate. If that makes sense. The word of God dwelling in you just to give you knowledge makes you arrogant. The word of God just dwelling in you enough to make you think that, okay, I'm going to stop doing this action or this action. And all you do is look at certain actions makes you self-righteous and legalistic. 
But when it's when the word of God is dwelling in you richly, you realize, oh man, I fall short here, I fall short here. Okay, but I do know this, but I don't know this. I and like there's a more balanced approach. Let peace rule. Let God's word, or let, or, or let me say, let the peace of God rule and let the word of Christ dwell. Let the peace of God rule and let the peace and let the peace of God rule and let the word of Christ dwell. Peace is ruling, the word is dwelling. Peace is ruling, and I I don't see that as being an umpire that makes its decision. I think it's the controlling dominant factor in you, and it, and it rules over your subjective feelings. And Christ's word dwelling means it takes up an abode, it takes up residence. It's it's and it's a doing so abundantly. I'll stop right there. I don't know if that's helpful tonight. I don't know if it'll be helpful tomorrow. I'm, I, I, this is one of those situations where I'm preoccupied with something. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I can't just, I, for some reason, I'm not just able to go past these verses. I'm like, uh, there's something here. And I know it was the verse of the day for family radio and here in what, 30 minutes, they'll, they'll be probably announcing the word of the day. They may have, they might've done it at 11 PM actually, um, because of their time zone. Family radio probably have already announced the new uh, verse of the day and everyone's already going to move on from Colossians 3.16. And I'm going to be sitting here preoccupied with Colossians 3.16 for the next 50 years, because that's what happens to me with these things. But at some point I'll move on. But I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of the way some people are approaching these verses. And nobody really says how you let it happen. They're like, here's what peace is. Here's what, how God's words dwell. Now, and then it almost immediately is like, well, how to get the peace? Well, I got to believe in Jesus. Okay, got that. How to get the word? I got to read. I got to study. I got to, I need to. And I'm like, no, that's how to get it in me. Doesn't mean it's dwelling. I just know from my own Christian life, there's been plenty of times where I had plenty of the word in me. I knew the right answers. I knew the right theology, but I don't think it was dwelling in me richly. In fact, I saw the negative aspects of having only it there in certain ways. Made me arrogant, made me prideful, made me self-righteous, made me condemning. I think there's something to that. You can let me know. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I'm going to go check and see what's happening outside as I wait for the wintry precipitation. I still feel I'm saying that word incorrect this evening. I don't know why. I'm looking, I'm looking at the word when I was reading it from the weather alert, and I'm like, that's not precipitation. Is it precipitate? No, Partic- participation. I don't know what I was trying to say. I don't think I was saying participation. I think I was saying precipitation. I think I was saying it correctly. 
don't know, for some weird reason. Sometimes you say a word when you're live on the air and for the next 30 minutes, you're like, I think I said that wrong. I think I said that wrong. I think I said that wrong. But then you're like, I got to worry about other things. But I'm going to look and see what the weather is doing as we're in an ice storm warning here in West Texas. And so if everything works out fine, we'll be doing live broadcasting. If things don't, we won't. <laughs> I can almost guarantee you there will not be church tomorrow evening at Victory Baptist Church um, because of the road conditions. If everything continues as they are, and it's supposed to get worse tomorrow. So that means we'll probably be live streaming. So that's what we'll do if, if I have power. So we will see. But in the meantime, Colossians 3, 15 through 16, email me if I don't respond because I don't have internet, but I would love to get your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. And that is another, that's a special episode of the Today's Focus podcast series for Tuesday, January the 31st at 1131 p.m. Central Time.